Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Hey, Adam. Hey, Ben. It's been a little while since we've gone to war with one another. (laughs) Oh, like that, you say. Like that. We are fighting again. I got to go get those (laughs) cards, though, man. I'm, uh, I'm up in Studio B right now. Give me a sec. We're at war. There's been no formal declaration of war. Maybe this trick will bring us some luck. That nonsense is centuries behind us. War! We're going to war! This is always how it works. You just spring war up on me. While I'm unprepared. Yeah, I use the element of surprise to get an advantage in battle, Adam. (laughs) That's what you've done here. Let's see if that is actually an effective strategy, Ben. So my deck is still shuffled, A-F-A-I-K. Should we just go? Yeah, let's just go. Okay, three, two, one, flip. Oh, no. (laughs) I have a sure loser, Ben. (laughs) I have Tate. Ensign Tate of Decent, right? That's the one where uh, where Tate's <laughs> idea of flying into the sun is questioned by both acting Captain Beverly Crusher and uh, the guy with the weird eyebrows. Oh, yeah. What was that guy's name? Barnaby? Barnaby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, who does Tate lose to, Ben? <laughs> this is a character named Bejik. <laughs> and I think this is one of the Klingon officers they get on the FaceTime uh, when they like try to try to put a call into Gowron and they get like a, a functionary. Oh right, like one of the admin guys. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've since I've uh, known Bejik, Ben. So thanks for the uh, <laughs> reminder. You haven't experienced Bejik recently? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's what happens right. when you're on the road, Ben. So is that is that one in my column? Oh yeah, absolutely. I to me, look, uh, <laughs> Tate is a sure loser in my book. I don't know, but Tate is real easy on the eyes. Yeah, but uh, not very easy on the acting, in my <laughs> estimation. I think we had difference of opinion on that. Yeah, but, uh, we did. I'm not going to look a, a win horse in the mouth. This is war, Ben. All's fair. Should we flip over another card? Let's do it. Three, two, one. <laughs> oh, Adam. What do you got? My, uh, <laughs> my card is for medical kit. <laughs> it is a... Representative, it is representative of special metal, medical equipment. Such equipment has been developed by many races. Oh boy. Well, uh, you may win again, Ben, because my character card that I've drawn is named Taurus. He is a Romulan who looks like he had a fire extinguisher dropped on his head. He's got, <laughs> he's got one of those 
faces that is very tall for the the size and shape of his head. It's not Shevulin, is it? No. No. He uh Yeah, he's just got big face and he's mm. got he's got a a too short forehead. He's representative <laughs> of male Romulans trained in the field of science. Specialist you in know, the study Adam, of extra dimensional life forms. There's no way a science Romulan loses to medical kit. I guess it depends on whose version of medicine uh, you believe is best. Do you are you a, a bigger believer in Romulan medicine or Federation medicine? Well, this is definitely a Federation kit, but I think it doesn't matter. Yeah. In in the you know they could only do one extremely bad Photoshop <laughs> of that for this for this card. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna call it for you, buddy. All right. I'll take it. I know you I know you don't don't love your Romulan, but it's better than medical kit, trust me. Alright, fair enough. Let's break the tie bit. Alright, three, two, one. I have repair mission. <laughs> this is one of those cards that makes it hard to play war with because it's an actual like thing to do versus a character. Yeah. Edge of Federation space, investigate malfunction of subspace radio telescope. That's what this mission I is. Have, I have Treaty Romulan slash Klingon. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't really know what that is. I feel like we need to flip another card. I feel like that's just a, that's just a, a nothing. What would you rather do? Like, I'm fine with flipping a fourth card, but, like, would you rather go on repair mission or diplomatic mission? I think repair mission. If it's Romulan Klingon treaty, that's no good. Yeah, that sounds really it's trouble. <laughs> All right, let's flip that fourth just to do it. All right, three, two, one. Uh, oh man, it's gonna be hard to beat mine, Adam. Oh, I have QNet. Q raises an enormous force field grid in space. It's the uh, it's the uh, Pendleton shirt in space. Yeah, th- that one is the clear winner. I like the card that I drew, but it's not going to beat Pendleton Net. I have Tarek, one of the lower decks guys. He's the uh, tryhard oh, Vulcan. The uh, the front zip Vulcan. Yeah, one of his traits is not trying hard. It's just the standard integrity, cunning, and strength. I wish. <laughs> Try hard was one of those. It's too bad. <laughs> if we ever get our hands on an edition of this game, we'll make sure to uh, include those kinds of qualifications. Yeah, indeed. One of my favorite things uh, we were given on tour was like loaded, loaded decks of these customizable card games. Yeah, we can't play war with those decks. No, we- it's just going to be Shimoda versus Shimoda. You know, like I think they were even the same order, but they were like very much uh, specific things that we've talked about on the show in a deck. No one wins in a Shimoda versus Shimoda conflict, Ben. No, that would be terrible. No one except the bartender. <laughs> well, you win again, Ben. I don't know what the what the score is over the long term, but I feel like. You've won war pretty consistently against me. I think you've won a couple, at least one. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we played? I'm Three? looking. I'm looking through the cards that I've used in war, and I like a few of them. Except I'm looking at Archer, 
Archer definitely loses. <laughs> and uh, and Vecma, our uh, our Lady Klingon, whose advances were were denied by one Will Riker. Well, Adam, uh, continuing the now three episode long theme arc of parenthood, <laughs> uh, we have another episode to talk about here today. What do you say we get into it? Yeah, I'm into that, Ben. It's season seven, episode twenty two, Bloodlines. Ben, this is the part two of a cliffhanger that occurred all the way back in season one. <laughs> Everyone waiting with bated breath over uh, what would ever happen with Damon Bach. If you thought the summer in between Best of Both Worlds parts one and two was long. <laughs> so much time had passed, they actually recast the character. Is that a recast? <laughs> yeah, that's not the oh. same guy. Oh, too bad. Yeah. Well, he brings he brings a lot of vim and vigor to the character. We're hanging out on the bridge, and a an unknown object uh, comes out of out of nowhere. It appears to be an unmanned probe. Hails Picard by name, and in opening the communications, this thing starts like emitting some some energy, and a hologram appears on the bridge and it is damon buck the guy that attempted to kill picard as rewenge what does it mean it means omata for his uh dead son who i guess this was the battle the battle referred to in the episode entitled the battle yeah this is the battle of maxia guy right the uh uss stargazer took out a ferengi ship when uh when picard was in command Literally, no one has thought about this battle except for Bach. <laughs> Doesn't Picard have like the Butcher of Maxia or something as his uh, as his name? What a great title! If so, I would I would trade on that name all the time. <laughs> yeah, your girlfriend sends you to the store for feminine hygiene products, and you say, "Actually, I probably shouldn't. I'm known as the Butcher of Maxia." <laughs> This is really embarrassing for Picard, I feel like. Like, his shit is being put out into the street in front of the entire crew. Like, Yeah, so what Bach has, uh, has said to Picard here is that Picard is a father and Bach is, is, you know, admires Picard's skill in hiding his son from him, but he's going to kill Picard's boy. Jason Vigo is as good as dead. Picard makes... No effort to sort of zup Bach into, hey, can we discuss this more in the ready room, please? (laughs) (laughs) Like, everyone is watching this happen. This is so embarrassing. It really leaves Picard looking like his pants have been pulled down. Uh, He is pretty gobsmacked with this revelation. This made me think of our time in Philadelphia Ben, when I heard no less than two paternity conversations happening on the street, like as we walked to lunch one day, <laughs> really weird to overhear something like that. Yeah. Like a weird a weird argument to have while you're walking to something with yeah. somebody. Yeah. And Riker, like, hey, Riker's- we're going to leave school and walk <laughs> to a pizza place for lunch. 
And uh, on the way, we'll discuss whether or not I'm the father of your child. I guess there's no good time and place to do that. So you're just going to do it while you do other things, right? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, Riker's friendship is really needed here. Like, what Riker could have and should have done if he were true to his character is, like, sidle up to Picard, like, put a knowing hand on his shoulder. <laughs> I got you, bud. I know this sucks, but we'll get you through it. Jordy, we've got to abort. Riker is like in, in the ready room. and Picard is like, hey, man, uh, <laughs> I know it's none of your business, but you deserve to know since that kind of happened out in front of everybody. There is a possibility that I have a son I don't know about. And what Riker should have said is, are you kidding? <laughs> I, I probably have 50 sons I don't know about. If I was obligated to tell you about all of my maybe kids the way you felt <laughs> obligated to talk to me about yours, like, our conversation would never end, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, why do you think that there are husks all over the cargo bay? <laughs> Riker's bunch of husk children, like <laughs> like so many grapes. Yeah. <laughs> they do a nice long push into Picard here, right? Like this is this is like yeah. maybe the one interesting shot in the whole ep is they start across the ready room and they do that long slow push during something dramatic. Picard does have an idea of who this this uh, kid's mother might be. Mr. Data, see if there's any mention of Jason Vigo in Federation Records. You might start with Miranda Vigo. And so they use her name to try and like poke around and see if they can't find this guy because a threat has been issued against his life. So the flagship of the Federation has gone to 100% save this maybe person who maybe exists life mode. And, uh, and so they're they're flying around and they're doing like genealogy and uh, they f they track they track Miranda Vigo and maybe Jason down to a planet and uh, they're still not sure because these planets don't have good record keeping but uh, they determine that it's possible that the southern continent of this planet is is where to look because Miranda was always interested in farming and uh, that's the only part of this planet where people cultivate any plants and i was thinking about this adam like is farmer the most eccentric job you can have in a post-replicator world yeah i really think so it's like a corded telephone salesperson <laughs> <laughs> like why yeah, even it's, it's weird because like jason it, you know, it comes out later that Jason's a bit of a petty criminal and like has done a lot of B and E's and stuff. And it's like, why? Why do you steal stuff? There's like you have to be totally whacked out mentally to have that seem like a good idea, right? The replicator is sort of the ultimate device in the universe. Like, if you're gonna bother like terraforming a place or colonizing a planet that has already been terraform yeah. or is ready for life like it seems like replicator is the natural second step set up the replicators the idea that you would ever steal something in a world where you can have anything you need or want is crazy maybe that's uh that's the juice that's jason's juice that it's what makes him feel alive the ultimate rush 
nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. Well, yeah. you that, uh, that and climbing cliff walls inside caves. Right. Because they do a scan and they discover that he is like deep under the surface of the planet's uh, crust doing some spelunking and they beam him onto the transporter pad like mid rock climb. They don't do this nearly enough. The beaming of someone <laughs> over who's in the middle of something else. Yeah, I felt like it was a real missed opportunity to have Picard show up in some rocket boots and say, Jason, we're going to need you on the ship now, and then Jason fall off and Picard rocket boot down to save him. Perhaps because it is there is not sufficient reason for climbing the mountain. I am hardly in a position to disagree. I especially like the minute later callback where Jason's like, you could just put me back on the rock face and then he like articulates his body into the position that it was before pre-beam out. Yeah. That's fun. That's a, like a lot of trust that you remember exactly how you were, right? This Jason, really good looking guy. He's He's got like ultimate 90s hair. He's, he's got some real 90s star power, I feel like. Yeah. He has, his haircut is sort of a version of the haircut I've had for 20 years, (laughs) except he's got like, he's got the Conan O'Brien version of it. Like it goes very high and very wide. He's got really good volume, really good thick strands. He might be using that Pantene Pro-V for all we know. It may be the most 90s hair we've seen on a man on this show. It is just quintessentially <laughs> 90s. I don't know. I feel like I would I would put Ginger Jesus up against this guy for 90sness any day of the week. He's got like fighter pilot looks. Like like he should be piloting Airwolf or something. <laughs> yeah, like he is he's like a third row background character in in Top Gun. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that diminishes... Tom Cruise is like, I never want that guy to be in focus if I'm on camera. (laughs) I think that's all to say that, like, he has real and true charisma. I really liked him from the start, and I thought uh, his work as an actor in portraying this character was super strong. Yeah, he has sort of those rogue vibes of, uh, what is that guy? the roguish guy that came aboard and like really charmed the pants off of Wesley. The outrageous Okana episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, I kind of, it's like that, but less jokey. He seems like he would be like, if you weren't able to do a DNA test and you had to assign who his, uh, who his dad might be on the ship, he, he's got like Riker carriage to him. He's got that mm-hmm. sort of confidence. Indeed. And, and, uh, he also has that sort of that sort of like energy. Like Troy comes in and she's like, Hey, I heard you just had a paternity test and found out Picard is your father and also there's a deranged Ferengi trying to kill you. So I thought you might wanna, you know, talk about that and he's like, Yeah, but first, what's up with you? <laughs> yeah, he is totally eye fucking her from jump. And to Troy's credit, she keeps it totally professional throughout. Like, this guy is being a fucking creepo. And she's yeah. like, hey, uh, well, if you want to talk in a professional manner, like, you know how to reach me. Yeah. Didn't he, come here for that, bub. He's like, I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. <laughs> <laughs> and she just fucking roundhouses him. <laughs> 
Perfect. He does not want to remain on the ship for any length of time. He doesn't quite get the Damon Bach thing in spite of Picard telling him that his life is in danger. He sort of wants to roll the dice and be solo about it. He's he's really uncomfortable with the idea of being sort of held captive for his own good. He's a free yeah, spirit. Yeah, and like, I think that's that's said in a lot of ways. Like, his character is not the most vocal about his feelings, mm-hmm. but... Um, he stays in his climbing costume like way past when another character would probably switch into <laughs> a vest and a and a long shirt. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> that's a great point. Like he stays in his clothes because he's expecting to go back soon, and then he finally gives it up for that vest combo. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That vest combo looks great on him. It really gives him some Marty McFly vibes. You you stick anyone in that red vest. Hey, kid, what'd you do, jump ship? So this guy is fun employed. <laughs> he is a an avid extreme sports bro. And uh, really, like, the idea that his his father, who he never knew anything about, would be a, like important starship captain character like Picard is pretty much a head trip. You know, sort of along the lines of your comment about farming being sort of like a, an affectation more than like a viable career choice in the 24th century. It's interesting that Jason does not show any deference at all to Picard as a space captain figure. You know, like he's not impressed or blown away by the ship or his possible dad's job or anything. It says a lot about him without specifically saying anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, I also like uh, the way Dr. Crusher deals with this news. Yeah. <laughs> like when she tells uh, Jason and Picard the results of the paternity test, it is like like nothing could be further from an episode of Maury. You are the father. When she delivers the news, she plays her tone really strangely. She is not psyched. Excuse me, gentlemen. The test results are ready if you'd like to hear them. She plays it for drama, for one thing, and that's fun. Like, she basically, in the room, goes to an in-room commercial break. (laughs) You guys are going to want to see this. Four-second pause. I've got the results. It's like in in like a reality show when they're going to pull the you know, who's who's going to be kicked off the island out of the envelope or whatever. Yeah. And you can tell that they're just they're just adding 45 seconds of, un, you know, unrealistic tension to the moment by just cutting to different reaction shots. <laughs> yeah, they really could have done that here. But yeah, so so like there's there's a lot of heavy duty feelings going around and you know, Picard is trying to connect with Jason. He's like, hey, man, like, I didn't even know you existed. And I think if your mom had told me, I would have made an effort to, like, be a part of your life or, you know, at least send you letters and Christmas presents or whatever. This performance and, by Patrick Stewart, I find totally real feeling. Yeah. It really feels like he's trying in a sincere way, but not trying in a ham and cheese way. But, like, this feels... Like the character making an effort 
in a way that uh, we haven't seen before. Like he's really trying to make a connection. He's trying to share who he is and what what his interests are with him. And which is a really hard thing for Picard. Yeah, and like the character of Jason couldn't be a harder person for him to express that to because Jason wants nothing to do with it and wants to get as far from from the situation as he can. Yeah, he's sort of giving him the Wesley treatment. It's a bummer, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... Picard asks what happens to Jason's mother, and the story Jason tells is pretty horrifying. Like, not only is... Not only was her decision to go do farming on some distant planet, but it was to do farming in, like, the bad part of the planet. <laughs> where there's, like, roving street gangs robbing people for their for their crops. This must be outside of Federation territory, right? This is why you need a replicator. Replicators save lives, Ben. It's like getting mugged and having them take you to the ATM and like <laughs> making making you put in your code at knife point, like yeah. going to the replicator and giving them as much tea Earl Grey hot as they could possibly consume at knife point. Yeah. Yeah. All that goes away once you have the replicator on the planet. Doesn't make sense. Can a replicator replicate a replicator? If so, you have as much replication as you need. It's true. You only need one. <laughs> you just cover the planet in replicators and replace everybody else. This starts Jason down a road of like anti-replicator. <laughs> like he lives his life in vengeance towards replicators. Mm-hmm. He's always throwing wooden shoes at replicators. That may be headcanon wise why he never accepts a drink from a replicator when Picard offers him one. This happens a couple times during the ep, and he's like, nah, I don't want anything oh, yeah. out of that death he, box. He's only a Saurian brandy man. <laughs> Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence. So here's the deal. Damon Bach has devised a way to get onto the entrepreneur whether or not the shields are up. And it is, and they figure out that it has something to do with a subspace transporter technology. Something that the Federation attempted to invent but abandoned because it was too hard or something. It sure seems like, especially this season, the Federation has attempted to devise <laughs> some great pieces of technology and then for whatever reason just stopped. This is Got a great distracted. idea. Subspace transporter yeah. sounds like a killer move. What range would that kind of transporter have? In theory, it could operate over several light years. You could transport a torpedo right into somebody's uh, engineering section. That's what Fill I'm saying. Fill it with snakes. Yeah. You've got torpedo snakes at the ready, and your shields are <laughs> useless against them. Yeah. Why would yeah. you give that up? You have a cloaked ship. You have a, you have fire beaming technology. You'd be unstoppable. The Borgs are not going to be able to adapt to this. It sounds too hard, Ben. We should probably give up the research. <laughs> Let's get into farming. Just being a society with no money... What expense would be too high for them to not want to research a technology like this? I don't know. This is so boring. 
So Picard keeps getting visited by Damon Bach. Like he'll like wake up in the middle of the night and Bach will be leering over his bed. And, uh, and it's like, it's really him. It's not a, a hologram. And so at one point he comes and like visits Picard in the ready room and, uh, Jordy and Wesley are able to use the uh, the skeleton finder to uh, <laughs> determine like how he's doing it. I love how every odd ensign on the ship will have a phaser like on their coffee table at any given point, <laughs> but captain of the flagship doesn't have anything in a nightstand that he can draw on an intruder. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. But they're really worried because this means they don't really have a way of protecting Jason. Jason could be transported off the ship at any moment. And of course he won't be because that would be uh, not great for dramatic structure. But (laughs) What is great for dramatic structure is Picard assigning a security detail to Jason that includes young Liza Minnelli. (laughs) And old Billy Eichner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want a bottle episode just about them. <laughs> yeah. L- Lieutenant Young Liza Minnelli and enlisted men old Billy Eichner are, uh, <laughs> are like following Jason around. Like they won't get off his nuts and 10 forward. Do you think you could give me some room? They're they're tailing a car by like putting their bumper right on Jason's. Like they are not giving him any room at all. Like they're like following him into a bathroom stall amount of close. I gotta imagine that old Billy Eichner would be pretty thrilled to be hanging out with young Liza Minnelli. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be like a. Uh, I don't want to like play into stereotypes but i feel like i know enough about billy eichner to surmise that <laughs> i feel like you do too ben it's Liza Minnelli! I know, I know, I know. ben did you feel like jason had no sideburns continuity in this episode it felt like they went from sharp to dull a couple of times uh i did not pay any attention to his sideburns i don't know like i found his sideburns distracting both in terms of uh, how great they looked, but also in the varying lengths. Man, I'm going to have to keep an eye on that as I scrub through the episode. Well, if you disprove that theory, I hope you edit that out, because I'm almost positive uh, <laughs> his sideburns changed lengths. Weird. Yeah. Well, they come up with the idea that they're going to get a pattern lock on him that follows him around. They're just going to program the computer to keep keep a transporter lock on him. And uh, meanwhile, he is having some health issues. Like they find him collapsed on the floor at one point, and uh, it turns out he has like a degenerative neurological disorder. Yeah, they tease this a little bit earlier with uh, some hand tremors before he f- he finally is flopping around in his quarters later. This, uh, I thought that was going to be like he's a Manchurian candidate and was really here to kill Picard on behalf of the Ferengis or something. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like there might have been something darker than what the truth is at play here. You ever get That's, those those weird like muscle tremors in your in your hand, like like in maybe a single finger? Or I got one recently that was just like the corner of my lip. Hmm. I mean, only when I'm about to do a murder at the behest of a sinister foreign power. Right. Yeah. I guess that's when it happens for me too. 
Yeah, I mean, they've got a. It's correlation, not causation, but I feel like they're. It's a very strong correlation. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, this is all building up, and there's a very long scene where Picard joins Jason in the uh, in the holodeck. Jason's doing a little rock climbing. Picard gets his attention by doing some reasonably skilled rock climbing of his own without even changing out of his work clothes. Yeah. And uh and they have like a pretty heavy duty rap session. Like Picard kind of finally gets through to to Jason. They talk about uh his mother and Picard uh expresses very very explicitly that like he really regrets the way things were between him and his father when his father passed away and he doesn't want to repeat that you know he never knew that jason existed but uh, he wants to make up for lost time and like be a positive uh, influence in jason's life and jason's like nah man you don't want to hang out with me i'm a loner hmm. a rebel it's a lot of things about me you don't know anything about daddy things you wouldn't understand things you couldn't understand things you shouldn't understand i thought the magic trick here about patrick stewart's performance as picard was that he makes the case that due to family history he wants to correct for a way things have been traditionally my own father and i were estranged but he never paints it he never paints Jason as a project in a way that would feel insulting. Like, if I were Jason, I wouldn't want Picard's guilt to function as a reason to have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And it never plays that way, which seems really hard, I think, if you're looking at, at this scene on paper. Like, don't make me your fucking family project just because you've had a hard time with your own dad. Like, why doesn't it read that way? I think it's great. I I really like this scene. Yeah, because Picard very genuinely just wants to have a relationship of some kind. Right. And, like, he's pretty much open to it being whatever it needs to be for Jason. Yeah, and Jason's pretty blown away that that Picard knows his rap sheet. Picard's like, yeah, I know know about all the B&Es. I know about all the beers you've stolen from convenience stores. (laughs) <laughs> I know that your planet deserves replicator technology, but does not have any. Like, uh, you're, you are imperfect, but you are mine, and so I love you still, is sort of the vibe. And he seems yeah. genuinely touched by this. It's that unconditional shit. Yeah. My love is a It is not long after this that Picard gets called down to Six Bay and Beverly's like, listen, I have some important information that I will be telling you after the camera cuts away to something else. Picard's like, Beverly, don't you think it's time that you maybe take a break from anything involving DNA sequencing? <laughs> and Riker uh, radios down and he's like, hey guys, that uh, that." That dramatic fulcrum that we've been talking about where the Ferengis can beam Jason off the ship. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And so Picard runs to the transporter room because Jason got beamed out of some other part of the ship and Jordy and and his little buddy are attempting to rematerialize him on the transporter pad. 
but uh, they don't quite get him. And he's like mid transport, and Picard like comes in and tries to run up <laughs> to the pad and I guess grab the cloud of information. What happens if he hugs the beam? Like, if an arm goes into the beam and he beams away, does he lose the arm? Does Jason rematerialize with a third arm? A third old arm? Like, is it possible that he would be impaled by pieces of Picard? (laughs) This seems incredibly dangerous. Hey, buddy, why do you have that third old arm? Oh, transporter accident 10 years ago. This old man (laughs) thought he was my dad, stuck his hand right in the beam. Now I got this weird third old arm. Pretty gross, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm a much better climber than I ever was. <laughs> Let me buy you a drink. <laughs> Don't worry, I stole my own. The uh, the arm that Picard loses in the transporter accident is the same one that ages, like by touching that fruit bowl <laughs> on the runabout. <laughs> He's been trying to get rid of that arm forever. Yeah, that arm is uh, not as good as the other one. No, it's got all this. It's got five coke nails. <laughs> Picard thinks pretty quickly. He he says like, "Hey, you guys have jury rigged some stuff with the subspace something something and the transporter something something. Can we turn it into the same type of thing?" Diamond Bach has been using. You know, the technology the Federation has been researched and abandoned trying to make work. Can we do that in, say, five minutes? Do you remember the years of research that was put into this and then abandoned? Like, clearly, five minutes from a, from a discovery, from, like, a, a significant scientific achievement. Because... <laughs> Why did they quit? They get back on FaceTime and he's like, he's like, now I have your boy and I'm going to use this jagged knife to kill him. And it's all your fault, Picard. <laughs> and they, they get a beat on where he is and Picard lays in the course maximum warp and they're like, it's going to take us 20 minutes to get there. And he says, not if we use this magical transportation technology. So presumably the amount of time it takes to implement it is substantially less than 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and the first person they tested on is the captain of the flagship of the federation cut to the flashback scene of the research being done on this technology like they're in the lab <laughs> they're like ready to make the breakthrough but oh shit it's five o'clock <laughs> Quitting time, boys. <laughs> the steam whistle goes off. <laughs> Next week, we're coming back and we're on to a different research project. It's a real shame we were so close. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. So Picard beams onto the bridge of the Ferengi ship and very quickly explains to the lackeys that Damon Bach has assembled that Damon Bach is, has been stripped of his... Damon Hood, and uh, this is not a ransom mission. This is a Omerta mission. <laughs> and they're like, fuck! This is another Deus Ex Profita! So they take Bach into custody, and they let uh, Jason go, and Picard explains that Bach resequenced Jason's DNA. He's not really Picard's son. And uh, he slipped up when he introduced whatever neurological disorder Jason has. 
Beverly promises that uh, that through her resequencing, she'll be able to fix him. But holy shit, like, what are the chances that she turns him into a salamander or something? <laughs> I would be terrified. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard what you do with your genetic resequencing. <laughs> I'll pass. Why don't you drop me off at some starbase? I'll see if I can get with, in touch with Pulaski. I'll, I'll a little bit better of a track record. I'll roll, my di- I'll roll the dice with the seizures. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love what Jason does here in bargaining with Bach for his life. Like, it made me think about if I were to ever to be a hostage, like, how do you negotiate for your own life here? He's like, look, man, just uh, just cover the knife with my blood and Picard will believe I'm dead. <laughs> that is not a great proposition, Jason. <laughs> like, send him, send him back my torn clothing. That will be enough. I don't know how you talk yourself out of that situation, but it seems like Jason's as good as dead. He never really seems terrified, though, right? Like, he seems with it throughout in a fun way, in a way that is, like, totally consistent with his character. He's he's super cool 100% of the time. Yeah. He's a real cool teen. I wish I was a cool teen. Yeah. No chance. We abandoned that research uh, five minutes before seventh grade started. <laughs> <laughs> what if I don't tuck my t-shirt into my underpants? I am cute as a ball. You will assist us. I am cute as a ball. You are ball. Did you like this episode, Ben? I kind of liked it. I mean, it's not a smart episode, but it's uh I think that it rises to the level of fun. I really like the intention of doing a season 1 callback. I'm really puzzled that this was that callback, though. Yeah. Like, of all the things. Like, whatever happened to Damon Bach. Of all the comic books we've come up with over the course of doing this show, this is not the one I would have gone to print with. Like, if Damon Bach was so significant, like, he could have been a constant touchstone throughout the series. Like, the the effort every season of Bach to kill Picard or his progeny. Yeah, that would have been fun. I really feel like, Ben, when you when you storycraft the idea of Picard potentially having a son and then not being used against Picard, I think that's a great movie idea. I think we've had several great movie ideas in season seven. Isn't that like kind of what the premise of Search for Spock is? Like, Well, I'm talking about it being exactly the plot of the last tng movie that's true with the picard clone but it's a but it's picard not a son right yeah 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 in that way it is different but the idea of using genetics as a way to to create a weakness for a main character Mm -hmm. is is sort of in play here yeah i agree I don't think it gets better than how it was done here, though, is the thing. Like, I don't know why you go back to that well for a movie. There was a shot of Bach in this episode that exposed how the Ferengi teeth work. Oh, yeah? Where the camera, like, when he's uh, when he's in Picard's office and uh, sitting in Picard's chair, the camera gets super close, and you can actually see his people teeth <laughs> behind his Ferengi teeth. <laughs> he's like a shark. Yeah, like there's like two rows. 
Never seen that before. Yeah, not a flattering angle to shoot uh, that close and down at Bach. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, like, he has a choice. Why did he get that close to the camera? If I'm FaceTiming, I'm holding the camera a little further away than that. Doing doing like my parents and being totally oblivious to where the camera is pointing. (laughs) Ben, one thing that we are certainly never oblivious about is our growing number of priority one messages you want to check the inbox on those let's do it priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship Adam, our first Priority One message is of a personal nature. It's from Tony and Christy, founding members of the Remember the Hoosnock Foundation. (laughs) And it is for Dylan, Mindy, and Raz. We'd boldly go with you anytime. Fuck (laughs) Plevheem. Goes like this. Adam and Ben, we loved the Milwaukee show, and we hope you enjoyed our tradition of cheese curd lays and excessive podcast fluid. Perhaps my horgon was showing because after the show it was game on. Tandem bikes, men in top hats, stolen cell phones, belligerent prostitutes, drunk shimodas, closing a local ten forward with fellow viewers. It was great. You wow. Know, if we had only gotten eight tenths drunk instead of eleven tenths drunk <laughs> after the show, I feel like an after party would have been in the cards. Like, yeah. ten forward hangs sound great. I don't remember a prostitute being a part of the post-show situation we were involved in. I think the issue with the Milwaukee show was that we were drinking bourbon drinks that were on tap at that venue and so while at all of the other places when we would be mid-show and somebody would put a couple of drinks on our table for us they would be light beers yeah this place they would be like a pint of bourbon (laughs) i waterfalled one of my cocktails on stage and that was when the lights began to dim for me (laughs) my mind got murdered out at that point <laughs> yeah uh, that uh, that was a great show a lot of fun uh, very loose yeah super loose rascals coming strong with a P1 message there Good yeah. to see. do we have another P1 we do Ben it is from quote I live alone age 41 with a cat happy now <laughs> <laughs> this message is for the greatest loaf heads Drunk chief engineers, malfunctioning androids, and incongruous thespians. Message goes like this. A Vulcan high five to all and sundry, watching two slightly embarrassed hosts on the greatest gen trail, providing insight, in-jokes, incomprehensible references, and indignation. (laughs) I ran out of ins. To a sometimes great show, while all you really want is that sweet, sweet nuck. (laughs) P.S. Fuck whichever one of Raz and Plavim I hate. I forget now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's hard to remember. You know what I love about that is they used every single character. I forget now does not have ending punctuation, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Say hi to that kitty for us. I live alone. (laughs) 
I live alone, age 41, with a cat, happy now. Sounds like the headline to a Tinder profile that, that I could really get behind. <laughs> you wouldn't think it would work, but opening with hostility can actually draw some people in. You had my curiosity, now you have my interest. <laughs> well, if, uh, if you have a hundred bucks laying around that you'd like to use towards the message of your choice, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages like these are $100 and commercial messages are $200. They're a great way to get the word out about your business or cause or uh, about a bad thing you want to say about a pseudo friend of yours. (laughs) Uh, They are one of the great ways to help the ongoing production of this podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing.
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Dan. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to give it to the crew of the Ferengi ship who feign complete shock when they discover that Daimon Bach is not rightfully a Daimon. <laughs> like, not a good look. The guy was in jail. Like These guys did zero background. You know when you go in for a job interview, you're supposed to like look over the org chart of the company and like get a sense of what they do and you know, like you're like you you impress them if you come in with questions of your own. These guys did not do that. They gave him a ship and a crew. This guy's all cattle and no hat. Like we don't get that 5 minutes of exposition where like he's he's out of jail. He's doing that that post jail perp walk. Yeah. And, like the cuffs are getting taken off. He gets his bag of personal items at the cage. Yeah, that's the cold open I want where he's doing like chin-ups on the on yes. the top bunk in jail, like like yelling Picard at the rain out in the yard. Totally ripped Ferengi. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see the Ferengi that just wears a vest. Just a vest and ah! prison tats. Like tatted up ears. Like mm. like w- he could be the Danny Trejo of Ferengi. That would have been fun. Hell yeah. That's what the- if ba- like like Bach has held it together so well. What if he had totally fallen apart? That would have been great. Like that's how you make a Ferengi threatening. Like is you is you give him that kind of edge, that post jail edge. Unhinged Ferengi. Yeah. Who was your drunk Shimoda, Adam? <laughs> I'm giving it to a person slash body part, Ben. <laughs> I wish I wrote down the time code here. I think you'll be able to include it in the show. But when Jason falls to the ground and goes through his seizure, uh, you can see very pro- pronounced floppy dick flopping around inside his pants as he does that. Really? <laughs> kind of have to scrub through and find that. I know. Uh, it is. It is, to my head canon actual dick flop and i don't know how you don't uh stick that oh, actor man. in some briefs yeah right liza minnelli had her hand very close to that part of his thigh too <laughs> you know what i'm saying he's got total dick flop i think i do uh, like a nice dick flop i do too but uh is that the time to go commando when you know you're going to be flopping around on the ground maybe it is maybe that guy is trying to send a message if so, message received. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm giving my Shimoda to Jason's dick. <laughs> Clearly the thing having the most fun. What do we have coming up in the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season seven, episode 23, Emergence. 
The lives of the Enterprise crew are endangered when the ship suddenly develops its own intelligence. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Ben, we're playing all the hits in season seven. <laughs> we got to uh, we got to have one last episode where the ship becomes extremely dangerous, and or we have holodeck fun times. This is both. Yeah, two great tastes that taste great together. Gotta go to Vertiform City, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Next step. I don't remember. I don't remember many things, and I remember Vertiform City for some reason. I remember Vertiform City being so great, though not as great as New Vertiform City. Oh, is it New Vertiform City? Well, no. I mean, there's there's two different stops on the train. Oh, jeez. Boy, you really remember this one. Look, I remember that and the Elder Lebowski being in it. That's that's all I know. Oh yeah, man said to take any uh, any rug in the place. <laughs> Well, uh, that's coming up next, Ben. Can't wait. Coming up next for us is the part of the show where we where we do our our end credits, Ben. The part no one listens to, Adam. <laughs> the part where we thank Dark Materia for our theme music and interstitial music, as well as Adam Ragusea for all our extra music. Both of those. The one guys where do we encourage job. people to go to maximumfun.org/slash/donate to support the production of the show and also to maxfunstore.com to get all of our terrific merch items. Yeah, I mean, supporting the show isn't about just supporting Greatest Gen in its form right now. It's about making sure that the show continues on. Series after series after series (laughs) in perpetuity. So if you are interested in this stupid thing that we do continuing, uh, that is a way to make sure that we keep doing it. Indeed. If you've got thoughts on the episode that are the good kind, you can share those on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at CutForTime. Ben is there as at BenjaminRAHR. We also have Reddit groups and Facebook groups for sharing all of the memes that are good enough to print. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that is hidden behind a brick and a wall. What's the over-under on Lebowski drops for the next step? <laughs> I just might play the audio of the film The Big Lebowski instead of have an episode. I'm going to set the over-under at nine and a half, and I think we're going to go over on that. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.